Hello and welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Laurie Eves. And I'm Tana Hutzberg. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration and above all awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month we'll be interviewing Hannah Gordon and chatting about Death Republic by Uya Kaminsky. And we'll be bringing you one of our favourite poems we've heard this month in our live poem of the month section. This month it's Spesh, live at Poetry Unplugged. We're coming to you a bit late this month because, well, Christmas. But if you've missed us, I recommend that you check out our Little Darlings bonus episode looking at the Poetry Awards. You'll also notice a couple of changes, uh, hopefully, this month, if I get round to it. We'll have our beautiful new artwork for the new year, produced by the lovely Hannah Hutzpah, a new okay. logo. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And you, might, oh. and you might notice that we sound different. Hopefully. Hopefully. We have some slightly better recording equipment. Um, yeah, hopefully the sound quality is noticeable. I mean, it looks great. It looks the, great. The we mics are... look amazing. <laughs> Do they have I... that new mic smell? <laughs> beautiful there's this kind of i mean this is it's just a really great thing for radio yeah. i think yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone's going to really appreciate that when they hear this episode go out they go wow those mics they looked amazing in my spare room with a bunch of uh microphones kind of and arms with microphones on attached to kitchen chairs yeah it it's, looks it's quite something it looks really professional until you realise they're attached to, to kitchen chairs <laughs> well the, the last mic stand i had in someone's room was like I remember I, I worked in one situation where there was a mic stand gaffer taped to a laundry horse. So <laughs> shit, I didn't think of that. That would have been quite. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> this is infinitely more flexible. Anyway, yeah, podcast. So, what have you guys been up to in the last month or so since we recorded? The dog ate my homework. Because <laughs> <laughs> last month is, is December, so yeah. we were at the Genesis final. Oh yes, we were. Oh, that was great. Yes, that was really good. Mm -hmm. Which was won by Olivia Hall. Olivia Hall. Yep, she is the part of the month on a previous episode. I think two or three episodes ago. She was. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, it was a really really good night. Yeah, mm. and I noticed that they had. Oh, this is this is not the main thing, obviously. The, poetry is fantastic but I, I do love that they had a proper crown a really very sparkling oh, crown yeah. as the grand prize yeah. I'm enough of a magpie that I then looked up on the internet and I could find it do you own a crown? I did not buy it uh, but it was over a tenner <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. this one we want to see is investment in poetry <laughs> investment in the poetry scene people has anyone been to any other poetry things? Hannah Gordon, our guest this week, who was about to have a nice sip of wine, but I've now uh, thrown a question on her. In Dead Darling's tradition, she's in the studio now. Mm -hmm. uh, the only poetry thing I've done this year is Words Down on Tuesday this, uh, this week, uh, which I don't think it counts because I organised it. Okay. So. Well, you can tell us a little bit more about that yeah. in a little bit when we have our proper interview with you. <laughs> Um, what have I done? I got the most pretentious, precocious Christmas present ever. I think you might be too old to be precocious, my love. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> are... I, I, I think precocious is like... What does precocious mean? What is the age limit of precocious? I, I assume it's always like young... It's like, so you get like a young upstart with your talent. Oh. Do you know what I mean? It's like prodigious or something. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. I just I'm maybe using completely the wrong word. Uh, in poetry terms, he's very young. <laughs> Yeah. I've only been doing it ten years. Exactly. I mean... <laughs> so, sorry. The present, was... the, present, the present. The present was. I asked for and got all the books on the T. S. Eliot Prize shortlist. Is anybody shocked? I, I know, right? I just thought I ought to, for a change, have a recommendation from people I had no, I didn't know, and I was like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just see what's on that list and I see what's that. good. That's a nice way of looking at short prize shortlists without putting them on too much of a pedestal list. Oh, it's recommendations for somebody I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like and they might be good or they might be shit. Been reading a lot of Wendy Cope. Been enjoying oh, reading Wendy Cope. Wait. She's so Seriously good. Concerned. Yeah, I've just read Making Coco for Kingsley oh, Amos, which is a classic. Yeah. Uh, and then I also got given a book of her Christmas poetry called Christmas Poems. My favourite, one of my favourite poems is the Wendy Cope one where it's like Christmas is great and jingle and then single. <laughs> oh yeah, she does rhyme jingle and single. Yeah, there's something like, yeah, 
all, all the stuff that's great about Christmas, the bells are jingle, and the whole thing's really dreadful if you're single. It's something like that. It's, she's just great. So I've been reading a lot of Wendy Cope. Awesome. How about you? Me? Uh, yeah, apart from the Genesis final, that's probably been it. I Hands up, who wrote a poem? I mean, probably actually you guys are Londoners, so you don't really count. Did you write a poem on the train home from Christmas? No. Because everyone I does. Everybody, yeah, yeah. You kind of like I was at Poetry Unplugged, and someone was joking about it, and I was like, oh no, I, I did do that. I, I did do that. Has anyone had any poetry New Year's resolutions? Sort of. Yeah. yeah um, I've not been as productive as I would like lately. Um, right down to letting my Patreon go un published and therefore me not getting money over it uh, for the last uh, yeah I am going to be trying to do a I half had the idea of doing it in January but it hasn't happened yet but a 30-30 if not a napo rhyme mm. I try and write something every day because I find that's really good for just sort of blasting the cobwebs out mm. like you fall into the flow of it and maybe a third of it is worth working on yeah. and maybe two or three pieces wind up really good and I find um, you end up casting around for thoughts in your day that you might have forgotten and yeah. then you're like oh actually I was thinking that on the train this morning yeah I asked it back it's kind of training for yeah. the process yeah so there's that there's the fact that I am hopefully going to the Frin- Edinburgh Fringe again this oh. year yeah we need to have a chat about that you need to have a chat about that news. spoilers yeah. Yeah, um, yeah watch the space guys and yeah also I've had an idea on the boil for two years and I feel like it has been it has had long enough to ferment like a fine wine now I need to write the motherfucker before um, it turns to vinegar you mean yeah like that <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I am I'm planning to kick my ass creatively a bit more this year yeah I think my mind can pretty much be summed up as get your shit together <laughs> so yeah I am I'm quite pleased myself I've booked in with book, book myself in in a couple of weeks time on um, a course with a workshop with An- Anthony and Aksaguru oh uh, how to make your stage poetry work on the page interesting a problem Ooh. I have oh so. <laughs> where is that is it sold uh, out uh, I don't know it's on Eventbrite I will send you the link if it's not sold out yet do it do it do it oh, just come in come with me uh, <laughs> we'll plug it in the yeah. show notes as well yes because we do I, that now I went yeah. to a live changing workshop by him about editing oh okay he's amazing cool anyone else yeah. on the news resolution yeah I, I do I'm a, uh, my sister just completed f- reading 52 books for the year of 2019 Ooh, wow. Wow. I am going to read 20 poetry books for 2020 and 20 novels and two of the books that I'm definitely going to read is I have a collected work of William Butler Yeats I've not read the whole of I'm mm-hmm. going to read all of it and also for Seamus Heaney as well. Nice. So I'm to really nice. embed myself in when I Love it. Do you know what? I recently watched two brilliant documentaries, and the Heaney one is still on, on BBC iPlayer. Oh, one was nice. like Bob Geldof exploring William Butler Yeats and ah. the inspiration of Ireland. And the other one is uh, Seamus Heaney's wife talking about their relationship and reading out his poems. Interesting. And really amazing. Um, really inspired me to read those poets. I have to say, like, yeah, Nolly to Mary, if you're going to have good last words you said mm. the last thing he said to his wife was in Latin do not be afraid and yeah. I'm just like oh god that's, she talks yeah. about that or his daughter talks about that in the oh. documentary um finish my book is <laughs> I've been reading it for ages that's, that's not so much a news resolution as a contractual obligation no it's a contractual obligation <laughs> <laughs> because when is it published again March the 15th I meant reading I mean, I mean oh, I'm just reading this really long war and peace <laughs> yeah. I'm reading at the moment and it's terrible yeah um but but that's the like first part of the year resolution i don't know mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. tim clare's just put up uh, or just starting to put up mm-hmm. a new uh sequel to the couch 280k which is a hundred day writing challenge yeah. um which i'm interested in so tim clare for listeners who don't know he has a fantastic podcast and go and check it out called death of a thousand cuts he's a writer based in norwich um he does so yeah a writing advice podcast and he also does so if you're familiar with the couch to 5k uh, nhs running challenge which is a little podcast you download and you know gets you running 5k continuously from from nothing um which i believe i believe hannah has, has completed <laughs> no we yeah. just run, know, just, we just uh, run 5k as a matter of course don't we so he does a, a version couch to kind of get you match fit for writing uh, a novel mm. and yeah but it's a yeah. sequel but seriously check out death of a thousand cuts it's excellent yeah cool so, shall we do an interview? Shall we do an interview? She's here, we ought to. Yes. This month's interview is with Hannah Gordon. Hannah Gordon is a poet, writer, teacher and facilitator from Harlesden in West London. 
She co-organises Spoken Word London, a fortnightly open mic night in East London, and she founded and runs Words Down, a weekly writing group. She's a member of Malaika's Poetry Kitchen Collective. Uh, she has performed at events across London and has been published in anthologies by Gug Press. She's also a member of the Unislam and Roundhouse post-emerging cohort. She's also part of the team behind the revival of Word Up, a night that ran in Harlesden from 2015 until 2018. Thanks in part to funding from Brent London Borough of Culture 2020, the night is back for a series of events and workshops this year, and we'll be hearing more about that later. But first, Hannah. Um, so normally at this point we ask people to give us a poem. Uh, Hannah specialises in haikus, so <laughs> Hannah's going to give us a series of poems. So, yeah, Hannah. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a couple of haiku uh, for you. Uh, I, I like haiku as a form. Uh, these, some of these are from a series of haiku I wrote called Ten Haiku for Breaking Up. Home. If the place you lived never really loved you back, was it still a home? Negatives and positives. Going out with her was like dating a spreadsheet. Useful, but quite dull. Your privilege confuses paying to have its way with generosity. My flirting style, using a hashtag in a text message on a phone with no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Tempest intentions, tis better to have felt a mortal and a fool than to never have. The future, dating post 30, like shopping in TK Maxx, a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! Yeah. And the last one is one of my favourites, I'm just, yeah. I know it's where people, I think it's the one I whip out when people are like, oh, haiku. It's like, what? I don't, what is that? I just shot. And I'm like, okay, they can do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, That one's actually getting published. Four of my haiku from my 10 haiku for breaking up are being published um, this year, actually, by a publisher that makes like kind of um, kooky books that I find in the Welcome Collection. They're called, <laughs> King, I think it's Kingston. Oh, actually, I'm not going to say it because I can't remember. Um, but they approached me off the back of finding it on Instagram. Oh, um, nice. So, yeah, so. Hannah, how did you... I always quite like to ask poets their kind of spoken word origin story. So, uh -huh. like, how did you get into spoken word? Um, I always wrote poetry, and uh, when I completed my PGCE in 2013, I'd, I had a summer ahead of me with, like, nothing really to do, and I decided I was going to get my rap career started. Uh, so I recorded my rap over a beat and sent it to a friend, and... He was like, that is not rap. Why aren't you pronouncing your T's? This is ridiculous. <laughs> maybe, though, maybe it's spoken word. And then sent me a Kate Tempest video and a Scroobius Pip one as well, actually. And I watched the Kate Tempest video and was like, oh, that's all right. And then got really into Scroobius Pip, which sounds like sacrilege now, That right? does. I was going to say, like, yeah. yeah, Hannah kind of would cite Kate Tempest being as an influence. Um, yeah, anyway, so uh, I got, I realised that what I was doing was in fact spoken word and not rap, um, which was disappointing because I've had a rap name since I was like 14. What's your rap name? Hannah G to MC. You've never told me that. Yeah, I, mean, I grew up in the garage days, you know, I thought, and then like, I was a real big fan of Sugar Babes and they released that album when they did a bit of garage MC, and oh, I yeah. was like, I can do that, yeah. then, but I couldn't. And yeah, so then I I was at a festival run by some of my friends. And one of my friends, Carl Krekop, he like got me up on an open mic and I did my first ever performance. And some people came up to me the next day and was like, that was quite good. And then I went to a local open mic night in Crickwood called, uh, it was at the Windmill, run by Creative Crickwood. And um, I did a few uh, performances there. And then at one of those events, um, a man called Martin Sanderson came up to me and he'd been at Spoken Word London the night before. And he was like, there's a night in Dalston and you have to go to it. You would fit right in, like it's literally what you're doing right now. And I went to Spoken Word London and like, I just got completely committed to Spoken Word. That's like where I found it, where I started to really understand what it was. Um, and I've been completely addicted and absorbed by it ever since. And that was like six and a half years ago, nearly seven years ago actually. I don't know why I'm checking my watch. <laughs> yeah, in January, um, yeah, in January this year, it will be six, Seven years, six years since I started going to London. And yeah. now you run the joint. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I run it, but um, I keep it going in some ways. 
which which is it was my introduction was, was very similar in that I went to a slam and uh, you were sat behind me and you tapped me on the shoulder and said it doesn't have to be like this. I li- yeah, I literally like <laughs> you to my life. I, I knew that you were a spoken word Londoner. You know, I just <laughs> knew that you would benefit from a night that wasn't full of twat. <laughs> Or run by a twat. <laughs> like, I met you and Tyrone there, so it wasn't all bad. But, uh, and Iris, I think Iris was there as well. Yeah, I think that kind of thing about spreading the word is, is really interesting. That's also something that I think you you do a lot. It's kind of like, come, be part of it. Evangelising. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I, I would actually say I pontificate. <laughs> so much, since I've become so involved in running it, I don't, as, I'm not as thorough in my pontificate, but before I was organising Spoken Word London, everywhere I went, I was like... Fuck this night, come to Spoken Word. <laughs> <laughs> you'd think you'd do it the other way around. Once you were running it, you were yeah, telling, you'd be telling people. Like, it's a bit much, isn't it? Like, mm. oh, you should come to this amazing night. Oh, by the way, I run it. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Yeah. Just modest. <laughs> so How modest. How many nights were you poaching from? Was your approach different in different It's not nights? poaching. <laughs> it's not poaching. <laughs> it's a big scene. That's yeah, really exactly. no, Spreading the I'm, spoken I'm word. I'm like sort of saving souls <laughs> many ways you're like the poetry version of the mission aren't you I, I, I'm yeah I'm Paul. the shepherd Paul. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be everything to all men as long as I can save some of them for Spoken Word London yeah I see yeah amazing so from rap to haiku what so happened haiku, yeah like how how has your poetry changed over time and, and sort of why would you say that is um, I think my poetry has gotten better, um, and I like it started in a dire place, so I can say that with confidence. Um, it's definitely it. It makes people cringe less. Um, when I, I don't first, think I've ever cringed at one of your poems. I mean, you weren't there at the very beginning. Um, no, when I first, you weren't there, man. <laughs> when I first got into spoken word, I was so excited about sharing things that I had absolutely no filter on what mm. I should share and what I shouldn't share. Mm. And so I had a, a, a repeated experience where I would meet somebody, mainly at Spoken Word London, have like a really great chat with them, and then I'd get up and do my poem. And I'd come back, and I'd just really note the silence. Like, oh. they, like they were like, oh, we thought you were cool, and then you just called your ex and C-U-N-T, so... But, like, yeah, I have more filters that I put my work through. I think in some ways it's got quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, my poetry I think haiku has been something that's really developed my writing in that you know you can't repeat an idea and you um, you can't rhyme so for me haiku has really developed my work taken me out of rhyming quite a lot and also made me a bit more precise because mm-hmm. um, you don't have a lot of syllables to play with um, yeah I, I, I don't rhyme as much I'm not as rapping I mean was I ever who knows uh, I think, yeah, I think I've developed a greater understanding of poetry, and not that I'm anywhere near well-informed, but I, I know that I, I have learned a, a lot more about technique than I knew initially. I was one of those people who felt like, um, well, I really enjoyed writing, and I really enjoyed poetry, because I wasn't like torturing myself with editing, or like, what does this mean? I was just like, this is what I feel, and it's true, so it must be perfect as it is. Right. Um, which I see a lot of people go through that phase of, and mm-hmm. I respect that, because it's a very authentic way of thinking about your writing. However, if you actually want to develop, you need to move beyond that. And I, it does... I feel like you could bottle a little bit of that, and just keep it with you when you're so busy torturing yourself about, yeah, I fucking yeah. don't know if this is any good, mm-hmm. because I've been over it. 14 million times and maybe the line break shouldn't go there oh, uh, that, that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting over an existential crisis about line breaks yeah we we had a pint we didn't, yeah. didn't we <laughs> we had a pint but yeah maybe if you could bottle that and just keep a little bit of it for yourself but yes yeah, yeah like obviously growing introspection is good like you were saying but it's craft isn't it it's moving it from a state of here's everything to like Actually, there's quite a lot that I probably shouldn't be putting in. Yeah, this. definitely. It's craft. Um, so jet fuel versus actually using it to propel something, almost. Like, yeah, I think it's also exposure. Um, I feel like I came to poetry quite organically, like not through doing a degree in it or even really studying it that much. And I think it's a lot of knowledge about poetry is very gatekept, which is why I thought that like, spoken word was amazing, because anyone can get up and speak. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. an immediacy to that that's uh, brilliant um, but yeah it takes a long it takes time to kind of learn these techniques and, and expose yourself to lots of different ideas and read things and that obviously enhances your writing reading yeah. you read a hell of a lot 
I've just seen this in the notes. Like, yeah. Anna, you read more. You do read. You're always reading poetry, man. You're always reading poetry. You're always yeah. going. You're always going. You should read this book or you should read that book. Like. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, like, I'm dyslexic, and poetry books are the one books that I can just like get through so easily. I love it. Love reading poetry books, and I like buying poetry books. I like looking for poetry books. It's just so exciting the whole process. Mm. Uh, yeah, but you're also kind of somebody, and you've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but kind of you're incredibly interested in craft and, and the craft of it and how it works. Um, what do you think are the biggest things you've learned about the craft of poetry and writing over the years? That there is a hell of a lot to learn. Um, <laughs> I think that's obviously the biggest thing. Uh, as I said before, haiku kind of transformed my craft in some way. Um, I read a book uh, last year, How to Be a Poet, uh, by Joe Bell and Jane Constantine, um, which I thought was amazing. One of my colleagues at Malika's Poetry Kitchen has just uh, published a book with Nine Arches Press called The Craft, um, and it contains lots of essays by amazing people. Um, I really want to read that, I haven't read it yet. Going to workshops and getting feedback, I think. uh, The downside of open mics is that you don't get feedback, Mm. but also... I think giving non-consensual feedback is possibly the dickest move you can make at a poetry event. Um, <laughs> but for me, like uh, going to lots of workshops and, and receiving feedback from my uh, for, for my work has really helped me to develop. I mean, Laurie, you've given me so much incredible feedback. Likewise. Like actually, both swathes of writing and being like, mm, not sure about this. And um, I think negative feedback is is probably the most transformative thing you can receive. I love it when someone will actually tell me really like. Like I, I recently got some feedback off Amy Aker, and this is one poem that I've been like fussing over for about four years. And she was like, well, I just don't like it, Hannah. You've not given this woman any autonomy. You've objectified her. I mean, where is she in this? And I was just like, oh, that is it. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> or she was really able to articulate like the difference between something that was suitable for performance and something that was suitable for the page. Mm. And I found that really useful. Yeah, and I think as well, like, before I would have been very much on the side of, like, there's no difference between page and stage, but now I actually really do see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, a, it, there's a big eye in the Venn diagram of page and stage, but I think that for, uh, for page poetry, it really needs to have some extra layers to bring your reader back to it again and again, because mm-hmm. you want a page poem to exist beyond the first reading, whereas a spoken word poem on the stage, everything has to be immediate in that first reading, mm-hmm. and colloquialisms um, and excessive use of conjunctions or repetition totally works in spoken words but when you translate it to the page it doesn't and I learned a lot about that from doing the anti-hate anthology that actually Mm. we had me and Pat had some serious like debates about things because of colloquialisms and and things like that and yeah it's interesting yeah it was a big thing for you last year launching the anti-hate anthology from Spoken Word London Um, so as part of uh, an Arts Council funded project um, with Spoken Word London, um, me and Pat Cash put together the Anti-Hate Anthology, which was a collection of 56 poems by 42 poets. Um, and it was edited in conjunction with Tim Wells, Amy Aker and uh, Dean Atter. Uh, and the only um, criteria that, well, the criteria that we had for entrance, for submissions was that you had to have, had, you had, to have performed at Spoken Word London. Um, it's available to buy um, through our big cartel, um, Spoken Word London's one, or from the Amnesty, it's endorsed by Amnesty International, so it's available through the Amnesty website as well. And you should definitely buy it because it includes my uh, Mermaid or Mermaid filth. Yeah, actually all, th- all three all of us are in it, aren't we? All three have, of us have poems in it, so please do feel free to, to go out and buy that. It's cool. rude stuff and it's endorsed by Amnesty. <laughs> and that's the best. Hannah's sexy poem got sexy, endorsed by Amnesty. Sexy, sexy mermaids. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a really interesting process to go through because I feel like so supportive of everyone that performs at Spoken Word London. Um, and so there was lots of people who are like absolute stellar performers who like really move the crowd and get like really big applauses who when we read their work on the page it, it just didn't carry and interestingly like some of it I some of them I knew that it was the person and I, I would like vote for it because I'm like because <laughs> you love them <laughs> and then yeah and then some of it like Pat had never heard it live and he would be like this is just doing nothing hmm. and I had we had lots of like strong debates but we had so many submissions me and Pat had a spreadsheet with um, all of the poems and we would write yes, no or maybe for each one and if something got two yeses then we'd move it through to send it to our editors 
But then we had so many of those double yeses that in the end we didn't actually debate any of the maybe no's or the maybe hmm. yeses. Uh, oh no, the maybe maybes. Yeah. Um, that was a really interesting experience because reading that many poems as well, you start to trust like within the first few lines you can trust the poet like whether they like they know what they're doing like by how they've laid it out mm-hmm. um, and I thought that was really interesting when you read so many you learn very quickly like what is good and controlled and what is just kind of fluke awesome and I mean so that that anthology came out of Spoken Word London yes um, which like is this incredible night and I think one of the things that I think makes it so incredible is that it's just this very egalitarian space um, and I'm just curious, how do you manage to kind of make, to, to create that and then maintain it, do you think? I mean, I'm following the footsteps of a legend. <laughs> Patrick Cash set up, like, this beautiful, like, utopia of a night. I think the format of it, everything to do with that, it just, it welcomes people. And, you know, whilst it's really regretful that VFD is not a wheelchair accessible venue, um, one commitment that we really have in Spoken Word London that we've, we've, always attain uh, adhere to is like it's free I think having a free night is probably like paying is probably the biggest barrier to accessibility no matter like, kind of who you are and I think I read something recently about libraries being removed from society and saying like the library is the only place that you can go and and be present and not be expected to pay for something and I feel like spoken word London although we do kind of ask that you buy a drink at the bar still you don't have to mm-hmm. um, I feel like spoken word London is a place that you can go and be present and you don't have to part with any money um, I think that adds to the kind of uh, community feel of it and it is a community night Pat's always said that and I always say that as well like, it's a community page on Facebook it is not us trying to promote something it is us trying to serve a community mm-hmm. um, and that's why I host spoken word London like, I, I actually dreaded it for a really long time for the first six months I was doing it it was like torturous for and me. it is harder than you think it's going to oh, be oh it's like, horrible yeah. I can get off the stage I can speak and I've hosted a couple of times and I've literally tripped over the microphone yeah uh, and things like that yeah it's, it is much harder than it looks I think you make it look very easy it's at different point. I mean when I first did it I was terrible at it to the point that like Woody said to me once uh I was like, how is my hosting? And he was like, well, Hannah, the difference between you and Pat hosting is that Pat looks like he's enjoying himself. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Woody Woodward there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was the best feedback. Again, negative feedback is the thing you grow the most from, man. After mm-hmm. that, I really tried to relax, and now I really enjoy it. I- and it's quite kind negative feedback, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You don't look like you're enjoying yourself. It's like, about how you position that feedback, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You don't just want a randomer coming up to you and going I thought you were shit yeah. you look miserable yeah but that's not gonna love yeah. might never happen yeah right like that <laughs> but you'd given him you know the in to make to, to, to ask about exactly. it and yeah, to talk yeah. about it it was consensual yeah I think as well with uh, Spoken Word London you know um, one of the things we do is we document everyone that performs uh, via photographs which gives pe- it gives representation to people and hmm. then we also I mean I consciously rotate the, like the the person who is the cover photo for example like I will make sure that over a sort of a few month period that we have like people of colour we have queer people we have older people we have uh, male identifying female identifying trans identifying like I just try to make sure that we are not like if I want to go to poetry night and I see that it's a cis white man I'm like on the like image of the event it kind of disappoints me in some way um, and I think it's more exciting to have like other people. But it's not all spoken word London. No. You do all sorts of organising and facilitating events in London, Hannah. So, firstly, do you want to talk about some of the other things that you do, of which there are many, and also what kind of what keeps you doing them? Um, love and joy. <laughs> um, it, it really feels more like vocation than obligation mm-hmm. um, and it happened really organically for me like I obviously I said I got into spoken word and I was just really committed to like going and attending and participating and then gradually that became kind of facilitating so I went to a, a writing group called Sharp and Write in Cricklewood for a while and it was based on this Dutch group that just meet up and write in silence for two hours every month and I thought I want to create some. T- um, I couldn't go to the one in Cricklewood anymore. But as a result of going to that group for six months, I wrote like the first twenty thousand words of a novel, um, which was powerful. But then I couldn't go to that. I clashed with something, so I wanted to set up my own. And I started going to Words Up, and I wanted to get involved in Words Up because it was in my home turf of Harleston. So I said to Charlie, like, can I make a writing group called Words Down? 
and oh. he was like, yeah, go for it. And, and so I designed that in order to just secure myself some time every week to write. And I thought I'd invite other people because that will be fun. And then that's been really useful because I've just put in loads of hours of facilitation um, through that. And I think we've done like nearly 200 sessions. It's been going for almost four years every week. Uh, but not, I mean, not I've had quite a couple every of breaks. Week. Yeah, I've had a couple of breaks. But, um, and uh, then through that, a poet called Georgina Norrie, she was working for a charity called Ingenium, running workshops for them on a Thursday in Canning Town Library. And there was one she couldn't do, and she was like, who do I know that does workshops? Hannah Gordon, would you do it? And I, I did, I covered her for one session, and then I started managing those um, writing groups, and now I'm actually, like, a manager, project manager for that charity. Um, so it's weird, because I love it, and it happened really organically, but, like, I can have some really intense weeks where, like, on a Monday I'm going to a po- On a Monday it's, like, Word Up. On a Tuesday it's Words Down. On a Wednesday it's Spoken Word London. On a Thursday it's Rough Brain Writers, and then on a Friday it's Malika's Poetry Kitchen. I think I actually had a week in September where it was all of that, and then Saturday and Sunday it was the roundhouse for the uh, mid-career poets. I just had like seven days of intense poetry. I feel like I saw you the week afterwards, and you kind of you had like a thousand-yard stare going. Yeah, on. yeah. Like... I mean, it was like it was more hours than I did in my history. Full <laughs> time. Um, but yeah, also like earlier this year, I I mean, I had to take a bit of a break. My mum wasn't very well, and I needed to be with her, and um, and so I wanted to cover all my commitments, and it took nine people. to cover me for three months and it was quite a mess to organize i mean like obviously you three all helped out with spoken word london and you helped out laurie with um words down but it was a bit of a logistical nightmare trying to organize the things but actually what i realized from taking a complete step back is that it really keeps me going like i needed i needed my community through that tough time um Mm. and i actually (laughs) abandoned it in some ways um but yeah i keep doing it because i love it even though, like, Spoken Word London, I know some people look down on Spoken Word London because it's an entirely open mic night, but I still really love it. And I'm okay, always... Those people are fucking cunts. Right? Yeah, nice. I mean, they get those guys. Right? That's um, going in the edit. That's on the record, like... I'm always listening um, for that moment where something changes you or when the audience gets changed by something. And that is absolutely magical and it's an absolute honour to facilitate a space like that because when it happens, when somebody gets up and they've never really been listened to or like they've never told their story and the room just changes something changes and it's mm. it's not like it's chemical it's spiritual it's soulful it's blended it's just fucking glorious and... i think that's happened a few times that i've taken people i've sort of said oh come along and watch me do my poetry thing and you can see them go and people have said this to me afterwards they're like yeah okay i'll watch her do her thing and then i'll leave like poetry readings what the fuck oh, yeah. and then they kind of they just are transfixed yeah. Yeah, yeah. by it and it may not even be the strongest night ever but they're just like this space is amazing what you're doing is amazing mm. I, I just want to be in here and listening yeah and there's something so powerful about giving people a short time slot to talk about what you care about because mm. people tend to get pretty deep pretty fast and then you find the common threads that you might not if you do a where do you live? What's your job? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, there's there's just something different about it. Yeah. And also, I, sorry, this is like a slight tangent, but I, I sometimes feel incredibly grateful that I was raised by folkies because I was raised in spaces where everyone joins in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that performance isn't some big like X Factor style yeah, giant yeah. lights yeah. Mm. between the stage and the audience yeah, it's just the spotlight's on you for a bit and then it'll be on somebody else yeah. the system while it's on you and it feels much more much more like you could jump into that and give it a go yeah. versus like some huge elaborate fancy yeah I think that's the powerful thing about Spoken London as well that there's 20 slots and also the breaks in between because I feel like I have powerful like friendship forging conversations with people in between the breaks Mm. I mean actually not so much now but like when I went initially like that was the best book in World Islands for me are the ones where it's completely rammed and people are sitting on the floor and it's just yeah. like, yep, this is, who who cares? If I've got pins and needles, it's been a good night. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But, yeah. it's not all about Spoken Word London, is it? <laughs> Tell us about Word Up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the new programme. Yeah, so I can't give too much away. Um, partly because some of it's not confirmed yet uh, but uh, we have our first event so uh, Word Up was a night that ran in Halston between 2015 and 2019 it was set up by Charlie DeCourcy and his wife Laura DeCourcy 
um, and I got involved with it through running the writing group um, and we just applied for funding for the Brent 2020 Borough of Culture and we got it um, and we're putting on a programme of six live events at the Royal Oak in Harlesden. So our first event is on the 20th of January and we've got Alexa Moore headlining um, alongside Poet Curious who is our poetic feature. So for the this series of events we're going to have kind of a musical headline, a musical but lyrically driven headliner, a poetic feature and our regular open mic which will all be filmed and videos um, will go online. Um, and then we're going to do six workshops in Harlesden Library and the first one of those is on the 3rd of February. So we're kind of alternating it throughout the year that it will be like a live event, then a workshop, then a live event, then a workshop. Um, and the workshop, basically I've designed my own poetry course um, that I'd like <laughs> to go on. Um, so I'm inviting people who either I've been to workshops run by them or they're just actually outstanding people um, to come and, and run workshops on a series of things. So it's going to be like generative workshops where we're writing poetry, but then like serious editing ones, ones about um, project management and uh, self-publishing, um, ones about your mission statement and artist self-care, and then a few about performance as well. So that would be really interesting. And I'm really excited. We've got like the dream team. It's uh, myself, um, Charlie DeCourcy, who founded Word Up, and Desri is on board as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the three of us are uh, managing the whole project. And it's been really exciting so far. I can't wait to see what it looks like at the end. Cool. And for people listening who think those workshops, oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't know, maybe I should go, I don't know. How do they get involved in, in it? Um, so follow our social media, um, Word Up London, but that's not spelled properly, so it's uh, Word Up and then LDN at, oh, sorry, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so all of the events for Word Up's revival are going to be free. Um, we have a 200 capacity at the Royal Oak. It's going to be upstairs at the Royal Oak in Holston. And that's for the live events? For the live events. And then for the workshop, sorry, your question was, um, you should come because they are genuinely open to anyone with a desire to write or develop their craft. And they're free. Uh, we're going to save a certain percentage of the tickets for people who are Brent residents because we really want to give back to the borough. Um, but they are open to anyone who can make it um, and we will um, announce it on our social media and then you can book tickets free via Eventbrite. For anybody who's who's listening and kind of doesn't know whether they want to get involved, get involved because Hannah's amazing at running workshops and you get Words Down. Yeah, and Words Down is going to run the whole time as well throughout 2020 so that's every tuesday at 7 30 in rubio in harlston mm -hmm. and it's just a two-hour um writing group it's a real it really is again open to anyone with a desire to write it's drop in so you don't have to come every week we have a variety of writers some people are writing plays poems uh, novels whatever they feel like um film scripts actually and what we do is we have like a two-hour session the first half hour involves kind of like a warm-up um an activity and a prompt then we have an hour of silent writing and then we come back together in the last half hour to share things. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to share if you don't want to. You don't have to share what you were writing just then. You can share something that you wrote three years ago. It doesn't matter. Um, and we give each other supportive feedback. And it's a really nice group. It is a nice group. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is one of my New Year's resolutions, actually, to make it to Words Down at some oh, point. I think that was pretty much everything we were going to ask you, wasn't it? Hannah, was there anything you wanted to add? <laughs> or are you dumb? Um, I just, I, I mean, thank you for having me. Um, it's been really good. You don't have to do the Oscar speech. <laughs> no, it's not an Oscar speech. Um, but also, like, I actually just want to say, like, thank you guys for making these podcasts because I've been really enjoying them for the last few months, and um, I look forward to many more. Amazing, thank you. Actually, can I just add a personal plea in there? If you're enjoying the podcast, please do, do leave us a review on some platform or other. Um, <laughs> because it would be nice to know you're there. Uh, and it does actually help people find the podcast. It does help it move up the rankings and that kind of thing. So that would be really awesome if you were so inclined. Um, Personally, yeah. I love shouting into the void. And <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, Okay. I heard a rather nice thing when I was at uni. There was a whole theory about that kind of writing a poem or, or a book is, is sort of like writing, it's sort of like a prayer because you're just, you've no idea that anyone else is going to read it. Hmm. So you're writing to a notional person that you have faith exists hmm. and asking something of them. Um, so yeah, please do send your review prayers out into the void for us. That would be lovely. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug? 
Words up on the 20th of January, Words Down happening every Tuesday in Rubio and Spoken Word London happening on the first and third Wednesdays of the month, although this month we're on the second and fourth because the first of January was a Wednesday. And oh, I complicated. I wasn't getting it for that. Um, <laughs> but also with uh, Spoken Word London, um, I've recently rec- recruited, persuaded, bullied, I'm not sure. Jamal Hassan is now a regular host of Spoken Word London. Yes. So he's doing all the first of the month events and I'm doing all the second of the month events. Um, nice. Yeah, which is giving me a little bit more freedom. Brilliant. Cool. Uh, so now it's time for our book of the month, which this month is Deaf Republic by Ilya Kaminsky, chosen by Laurie. Laurie, why did you pick this book? So I picked this book. Uh, I bought it before I got the T.S. Eliot Poetry Prize. Oh, so uh, you liked it before it was cool. I liked it before it was cool. I just want that on record. That's not why I said it. I picked this before I got the T.S. Eliot Prize. Before I got the T.S. Eliot Prize. In a surprise move, I got the T.S. Eliot Prize. <laughs> yeah, in a very rare and surprising move. This is like the time I had that dream that uh, on election night that the British public in their wisdom had voted Leonardo DiCaprio as our new Prime Minister. I mean, better job than the current... Anyway, whatever. Anyway, right. I saw Ilya Kaminsky a couple of months ago um, at a Faber showcase and... Uh, it was really interesting. It was a, it was a night with lots of uh, different poets and like people who struck me in different ways. One, some whom uh, like were instantly like, okay, I'm getting this now as as I'm hearing it, and then others where I was like, okay, I I need to sit and read that. And this one was one of the I need to sit and read that. And my friend was like, go and buy the book, and uh, yeah. I did. There's a reason you want to sit and read it, and that's because it's a one, it's one big narrative, baby. It's one big, big story about a kind of rising militia in a fictional country, and how their um, insurgency affects the people in the town, um, which is interesting, um, and the people in the town. Uh, stop speaking in order to kind of retain a silence and a dignity. Isn't, isn't it that they, they maintain that they are deaf? Are they, so it's voluntary deafness so they then can't hear you to respond to you. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. They feign or like take on a, a deaf state, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Particularly, not because, but particularly interesting because of the... Um, not not because of... Particularly interesting with having recently read Raymond Antrobus's The Perseverance, which is again all about the D-Deaf experience, um, to read this one where it's it's a lot, it's not personal, it's very extrospective, it's very um, looking outwards and pushing that to um, a kind of set of fictional characters. Um, and it's th- probably the only poetry book I've read that has spoilers. Like, <laughs> you, you can be like, tell someone, yeah, this is going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think that's fair. It reminded me a little bit of um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude. Okay. But it's, so it's, it's this town, and much like 100 Years of Solitude, it's this town where you're kind of like, it is connected to the modern world and there are signifiers of time. And, and so in, in Deaf Republic, there are helicopters and stuff, but it also mm. feels like it might be kind of set, you know, Anytime. Yeah, 100 years ago, 200 yeah. years ago, 50 years ago last week like it, and, and similar with 100 years solitude it feels a bit detached from reality even though it, it, it's it's sort of grounded in it yeah. and there is a bit in 100 years of solitude where for a year nobody speaks in the town as well mm. uh yeah and it's yeah that kind of thing i thought mm. i found i was it's very sparsely written mm. and when when the images work they're an absolute gut punch but i found there were a few times where i was like i don't know that i've passed this Correctly, I don't okay. know if people are not hearing each other or just not hearing the soldiers, and mm. that's their act of resistance. They yeah, because there the were soldiers. moments that she shouted or she said this, and you're yeah. like, how do you, how do you know? I'm, I'm, and yeah. I, yeah, I felt like for something with so much going on, so sparsely written, mm. I often felt like I was grabbing at the threads it's and not quite. Mm. I mean, it's not a novel; it's a poetry book. This is no. the difference, but I, I found. Because I'm not really used to narrative in poetry in this way, mm. I I kept noticing what bits I didn't 
have. Okay. Yeah. And it found it a bit disorienting just from that. Which, I mean, on that, there were moments that I kind of loved the kind of bit about being death and what you don't hear, what isn't said. There we go. Um, so within it, there's a kind of a few kind of recurring characters or main characters within this narrative. And you've got Sonia and Alfonso who are newly newlyweds. And Sonia was pregnant at the time that the um, soldiers come into town. And there's a bit where he's kind of, Sonia, uh, Alfonso is talking about Sonia and sort of, basically it's called Still Newlyweds and it's kind of, you know, the sex they had when they were married. Either, basically the war has come and they're still having sex, I think is kind of the thing. <laughs> still, we're still newlyweds, we're still going to enjoy this. Yeah. But there was quite a good bit where um, uh, he says, I stand on earth in my pyjamas, my penis sticking out for years in your direction. And I thought in the context of, poems of contest about poems about deafness that what i heard there was erection do you know what i mean that, that i kind of that if someone says talks about penis and and you've got direction it's like a sight rhyme yeah it's a sight mm. rhyme that doesn't exist there but i, I kind of in my brain i was like erection yeah because he's talking about erection and he, he kind of has rhymed it with the thing that he hasn't mentioned i don't yeah. know mm. you're I not looking it. at you're looking excited by the dick to be honest you, yeah, yeah. I you look big, disgusted by the direction there <laughs> i did a big cringe when i read that interesting well, i thought it was interesting and for the record i i like you don't like the direction. <laughs> I, 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 I have dated men. So like, this isn't just... <laughs> direction. <laughs> but yeah, no, I read that. I was like... Oh, I mean, there's a lot oh. of dick poetry around. I, mean, True. I don't think the dick is... Oh, yeah. Sharon Olds just wrote the Pipes Dick poem. <laughs> I don't think the, the, the dick is like the recurring themes no, in the like book. A rhyme that doesn't happen and you've got deafness and maybe that's interesting. Maybe mm. I am way over reading it and I've got no, a bit... That. You've got directions on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you've got these hand signals as well throughout the book, the illustrations, which are really similar actually to the Roman Antrobus one that also has like yeah. hand signals and things going through it. Um, Science. Yeah, sign, sign language. Signals. Hand signals. Sorry, I don't know why I said hand signals. That makes me so. You can tell I've been doing driving lessons, can't you? If you put your arm out, then you rotate it. What does that mean? It means if you've got a horse whip, stick that out of the window. Yeah, yeah. I love the line in the. There's a poem called "Gunshot," and it's talking about the first um, killing that the soldiers have in the in the um, in the town. Um, and it's describing uh, all this kind of action and hustle and bustle and uh, everything going on in it. And then the the last line of the poem, which just hit me really mm. well, is because uh, it's obviously talking about basically this uh, young boy who was about to have his life taken. And the line is, the sound we do not hear lifts the gulls off the water. And it's mm. looking, it's expressing sound. Visually, but yeah. visually, which mm. is really interesting, and there's lots of moments of that throughout the mm. book, where because these characters don't speak, and and the the way that it uses visuals to describe sound or to give uh, emotional or extra layers to it, I really love. And uh, mm. as as that first the book's in two acts, and as the first act goes on, the body of the boy remains in the middle of the town it doesn't get taken away yeah. and you mm -hmm. kind of see the um the action moving around that it's just yeah. a very different different poetry book that you kind of want to sit and read in one big go and i think weirdly for poetry actually where it's at its best is the action bits because i think i was a bit like you hannah there were moments where i was like eh I don't yeah. know. But track here. The bits like, that I actually thought were great were where there's lots going on. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and there are moments where you're like, oh fuck, I can't believe that's fucking happened now. Yeah. 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 Well, like the line Laurie described also stuck with me as well. Yeah. And there was one bit. I'm trying and failing to find it on my Kindle edition right now. But um, there's some. There's one bit where it describes because this this boy's body stays in the square for far too long. There's something about uh, the boy's body lies like a body. Yeah. Yeah. Like the body of a boy, yeah. yeah. Like they're not getting away from this image. Yeah. yeah, I am like, yeah, it tricks you into thinking there's going to be a metaphor, and there's like, no, there's a fucking corpse there, <laughs> and and there's, there's a child. No, there's mm -hmm. no prettying this. There is no getting away, and that, and that, frankly, a metaphor would have been a relief, mm. and you're not getting it. Yeah, and yeah, that there is a. I'm trying to work out if my sort of I I broadly did not like this book, and I'm trying to work out 
if that is about the writing or just that what it described was so brutal that I didn't want to read. Um, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, not no, happy clapping. No, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, the, the first poem, which is almost like presented as a prologue called We Lived Happily During the War, I mm. actually I didn't realise it was to do with this book. So I, I read this because Laurie suggested it for the podcast. Mm. I saw it on Twitter okay. after... Trump launched the missile strike on Iran Interesting. After, after Trump killed uh, Soleimani and um, yeah it was that kind of um, so, so the, the, the poem goes and when they bombarded other people's houses we protested but not enough we opposed them but not enough I was in my bed around my bed America was falling invisible house by invisible house by invisible house I took a chair outside and watched the sun in the sixth month of the disastrous reign in the house of money, in the street of money, in the city of money, in the country of money, our great country of money, we, forgive us, lived happily during the war. Mm-hmm. And it's such, it was such a kind of when kind of, you know, people were making kind of jokes about World War Three, and then people were coming back on Twitter and sort of saying, well, you're going to be fine. America's going to be fine. It is people in the Middle East who are fucked. We will live happily during this war. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, that was, and I, I, it's only when I opened this book, I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Mm, that's interesting yeah yeah whereas when i saw him that's one of the two poems he did um and actually i was kind of like okay yeah that's that's all right it's quite interesting and it was only actually when i sat down and read it i was like oh okay no there's a lot going on here and actually i really like this and it's interesting yeah it is a prologue to the book it's the first poem and then it goes into the book as it were it's it's a prologue and then there's an epilogue as well Mm. in time of peace which again is kind of I don't think that the piece at the end references America. It does talk about the president's wife in a way that it's very hard to see anybody but Melania in it in the, the yeah. bit at the end. But like the the, the the bit in the prologue is America, and then you've got this kind of fictionalized Soviet mm. town. Or Soviet, I think he says it's based on kind of Russian slash Eastern European yeah. yes. kind of things. Yeah, you've kind of yeah. He is Russian. Ah, he's okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. Also, I just realised the last line of the last poem is how bright is the sky, forgive me how bright, which echoes that last line of the first mm. poem, which I hadn't noticed. And there are moments where they're talking about people being executed and the sun is shining and it's so bright and there is something, and it keeps coming back to that, it being this kind of unbearable thing. Mm. Yeah. I think what I liked about it is I like how it's taken the canvas and changed it. Yeah. Like, it's not... Yeah. You know, you know my, you know me. You know I love a good, good narrative collection. You know I good, love a good concept book. You know I like freaked out over Jasmine Gardosi's book. Like yeah. I just like. I, I think it's really interesting when poetry can attempt something as ambitious as that, yeah. even if execution-wise it doesn't always hit. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also don't know. Like I've read this through once. It seems like something that like rereads could definitely a lot more out of it's just that also as we write this a continent is on fire and the far right is insurgent and i went it wasn't what you needed to hear right then there was that line i think when we interviewed jake and amy a couple of episodes ago that they actually quoted about um and we will say to god how would you let this all happen and god will and we will hear the the echo will be an echo yeah how would you let this all happen yeah yeah and yeah and i think it does it raises uneasy questions about, for example, what resistance might look like in a situation like that. Mm. And there's one bit where... God, I'm scared of doing spoilers, which is strange. <laughs> um, but the, the very people who goad someone to take revenge on a soldier, mm. and he says he'll he'll do it for the price of a box of oranges, mm. they then pocket the oranges and run off, and then the guy who executed the soldier... He is the person who comes to harm, and then mm. the so, silence. Then, so that this silence has become this a massive act of resistance to the soldiers. Like we can't hear you, and we're not going to respond to you. Mm. It becomes this massive act of resistance. But then there are moments where characters are taken away and arrested, and they're just like, "Yeah, we can't hear you. Yeah, we can't hear you." And it's yet yeah. gutting. Actually, those moments that this is not that solid- resistance it, is yeah, subverted. This is not necessarily solidarity. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, and that keeping yourself safe in, mm. yeah. That what what you what you like to imagine that you would do, yeah. and what you might actually do, and ditto the people around you. Yeah. yeah. Um, that 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 is yeah. a that you have characters being incredibly brave, and you think maybe you assumed other people were going to back you up, and they just have not. Yeah. Or that there's characters who like might look like they are 
sleeping with the enemy and then they're giving yeah. them in. Um, Which is based on, that was a real thing in the Second oh, World War. So Second yeah. World War, there were three Dutch girls. And I, I can't remember I the names of my children. I they're the only examples. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they were quite famous. There was, there was two twin sisters and a third girl who had red hair and it became known as this redhead girl. Was basically, yeah, luring German soldiers in and just offing them. Um, yeah, and I think two of them died in concentration camps, but the third one's still alive or mm. died a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. 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 So, yeah. it's interesting that it's got this historical aspect, mm. like, like you're talking about, and also feels really relevant with also the Iran stuff that you yeah. were just talking about a minute ago. So, mm. I think, yeah, the feeling of this feels both now and before it could be any time and it's got that kind of magical realism mm. yeah. nondescript sense nondescript yeah. yeah well like I, I once saw a uh, a folk festival where I saw a guy who said he, he described himself as a tale teller so he didn't tell stories he told tales and the the, the definition he had like he, he went through the thing that he just told us which had things like from the cut of his clothes you could tell he was a wealthy man and he was like I have not named any clothes. Yeah. You can put that any place you want. Yeah. That is a tale, not a story. I've left it open enough that you can build it. Yeah. And, yeah. and that the lack of specifics he said made it made him a tale teller, not a. Yeah, um, that's, cool. that's interesting. Yeah. Kind of think of this as a parable. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it has that slightly dreamlike yeah. quality. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah, so awesome. Uh, I liked so, it. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Like, yeah, I think I liked it. There were things where I was like, eh, this moment isn't doing it for me. But there were other moments that were brilliant. Um, yeah. Let's do the notice board section, letting you know what poetry nights are coming up this month and where you can go to perform your work or submit it for publication. So on the 14th of January, uh, Boomerang is at their new venue. <laughs> new venue alert. <laughs> the new shit. Boomerang is at Set Dalston. Uh, open mic slots are available in advance and on the door. It's featuring Rakea Fatuga and Joshua Judson. Uh, on the 14th, the 21st and 28th, we've got Poetry Unplugged, which is a recurring event at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden. On the 15th, it's Jaw Dance at Rich Mix in Shoreditch, and that's with Roger Robinson, Amani Saeed and Richard Boggle. Ooh, excellent. Uh, so, uh, on the 20th, We've got Word Up's revival at the Royal Oak in Harlesden, which Hannah has mentioned. So, and Hannah will be hosting. Did you want to tell us some more about that one? Yeah, I'm hosting it. Um, we've got uh, Lexa Moore headlining and Poet Curious featuring plus open mic slots. And every poet that performs will be filmed and given the video if they would like to use it. Woo. On the 20th, there is Insight at Phoenix Arts Club. This is a free LGBT plus open mic night, uh, which is run by Forum Plus uh, LGBT Charity. And I am hosting. On the, tw- <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, on the 21st, uh, it's the Global Link Up, um, which is back. I think they've been away. Um, I and it yeah, I thought it had finished, but uh, apparently not. Um, they've got a new event at the Hootenanny in Brixton, uh, and the headliners are Bandit Hayes and Mickey B, and I believe Casman is still hosting it. Yay. On the 22nd, we've got Spoken Word London at VFD, Dalston. Hannah, do you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is an awesome night, as we've established. Yeah, doors open at 7.30, show starts at 8 o'clock, there's open mic, um, let's sign up on the door. Uh, so on the 23rd, we've got Tung Fu at Rich Mix London. Uh, also on the 23rd, there is Words and Jazz at the Vortex Dalston with Phoebe Wagner and Boyega Urdabanjo. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to do it? Yes, sorry. On the 23rd, there's Words and Jazz at the Vortex Dalston with Phoebe Wagner and Boyega Urdabanjo. Uh, also on the 23rd, it's a popular day, there is Forked at B-Bar Barbican, uh, celebrating the 10th anniversary of the first live tweet sent from space, <laughs> obviously. Sorry, what? <laughs> I copied and pasted this one, can you uh-huh. tell? And it's featuring 69, A Queer Landing by Maddie Hayes, Blessed Pangolin, plus a host of poets, compared by Mary and Claire, so that's a mixed bill. On the 26th, we've got Poets Dictionary, Spoken Word and open Poetry Open Mic at Concrete Space in Shoreditch. On the 29th is Word Search Live at the Shinner and Sudtone in Sutton. Uh, Amy D can host that one. I don't know who she's got to feature. Yeah, I've moment. included Sutton as being within London because if you can get there on Oyster card, it counts. You can, yeah. yeah. On the 29th, it's That's What She Said in London with Birdspeed, who is a current reigning UK Slam champion. She is, and, uh, and I think BBC Slam champion and a few oh, other champions. And also Phoebe Wagner on that bill as well. 
Uh, the 30th is our clash. Actually, there's been a few clash clacks and nights. Yeah. 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 I'm going to get a clacks and These are Thursdays, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll be it. Don't set up a coach night on a Thursday. <laughs> Hannah knows. Hannah runs like everything. She she knows which nights to avoid. On the 30th, uh, the uh, Gallery Cafe open mic at the Gallery Cafe in Bethnal Green. On the, Also on the 30th, it's Speak Equal, uh, and they've got Tom Denby, who's an awesome poet, and Zazie Lawson at the Jago in Dalston, and that's run by London Queer Writers. Also on the 30th, we've got Rebel Soapbox 2020 Vision at Monty's Bar and Lounge, Brick Lane. Uh, and then again on the 30th, we've got Outspoken Live, um, which is in the Purcell Room at the South Bank Centre, which is Robin Robertson headlining, plus comic poet Rob Orton and Next Generation poet uh, Jane Yeah, with music from Rob Bradley and Heavy Highness. Rob Orton is very funny. Jane Yeah is amazing. Isn't it? Um, on the 31st... It is Once Upon a Mic at the Castle, which is right by... So Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, and then also on that night, we've got Tate Late. So that's at the Tate Modern um, with uh, Shirley May headlining. And then as ever, Words Down Writing Group is every Tuesday if you've been enticed by hearing Hannah talk about them, uh, which you should be. Um, yep, you can go along to that. And that is at Rubio London, which is a cafe in Harlston. I was about to say that's the third event you've got on this on this bill this I month. Mean, but it's not even the third. It's the third, fourth, fifth and sixth. Because <laughs> every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Yeah, I just um, like saying see you next Tuesday to people. Yeah, I, I like saying <laughs> saying that too. So, and uh, I just popped this on because I thought this would be useful for people. Uh, Ruth Harrison and Eva Lewin from Spread the Word will be running a, f- a free workshop on how to develop a National Arts Council Projects Grant application Ooh, for London-based writers on Tuesday, the twenty-eighth of January, at Spread the Word's offices in Deptford. Heck, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm circling that. Yeah. <laughs> And now for some poetry events outside London. As always, we try and cover as many as we can, but we don't know about that many. So if you're running an event, let us know. Yeah. Uh, On the 12th, there is an open mic night at the Flying Pig in Cambridge. Um, That's normally, uh, they they run uh, Sunday Night Lives there, which is a lovely spoken uh, word and music open mic series. This is run by the same guy, but uh, Mark McGiven, but it's just a one-off kind of open mic night. Uh, but it's worth going down to because it's a nice nice pub and, yeah, nice atmosphere generally. On the 16th um, in Bristol, it's Grizzly Pear and the theme is Discovery, and that's at the Bristol Pear. They've got Anne Gill, uh, Purina Kumar, and Chris White headlining. Uh, Anne Gill and Chris White are both awesome. I assume Purina Kumar is as well. I just don't know her. On the 17th of January, Loud Poets in Edinburgh have an event called You Have Me at Hello, which is at the Scottish Storytelling Centre. And also, I understand there's an engagement in Loud Poets, so mazel tov, you guys. Is there? Yeah. Oh, exciting. I didn't know that. Mazel tov. On the 19th, there's Poetry and Spoken Word at the Temple Cafe at Leon C with Jay Laker hosting. Uh, on the 26th, there's Allographic at Cambridge CUC Wine Bar, and Amber Page is headlining that, and she's excellent. I like her. On the 31st, it's Hit the Ode at Hippodrome, Birmingham, and they've got Anthony and Aksaguru, who we've already discussed as being awesome, Liz Berry and Ella Moran, and Bogdan Piajewski hosts. Uh, and then on submissions, the Emma Press is searching for poetry pamphlets, so 20 to 24 pages. That closes on the 24th of Jan, uh, and you should visit theemmapress.com slash about slash submissions to find out more. Uh, Amsterdam Quarterly takes poetry, fiction, essays, and art on the theme of media. And that closes on the 31st of January. Uh, submit online at amsterdamquarterly.org forward slash submissions. Our friends over at Bad Betty Press are taking poetry manuscripts at the moment and the submissions are 10 pages. They're particularly looking for underrepresented writers and that closes on the 31st of January. You can submit online at badbettypress.com stroke subs. Uh, the Tynemouth Poetry Festival 2020 have... Uh, well, one or two poetry competitions running. Uh, so uh, the festival runs from the 19th to the 22nd of March 2020 and it's got an open competition for all poets, UK and international. The prizes for that are first prize £500, second prize £250, third prize £100. And then there's also a local competition covering postcodes TQ12, TQ14 and EX7. Uh, and that's uh, first prize of £100, second of 50 and third of 25 and that they both close on the 31st of January 2020. The winners will be announced on Saturday 21st of March at the Poetry Festival. You can find more details about these events on our Facebook page. Um, in a moment, we're going to do our live poem of the month to play us out. But before we do that, anything you want to plug, guys? 
Let's ask our interviewee first. Mm-hmm. Hannah. Um, as I have said already, Spoken Word London, Word Up London, um, Ingenium, the charity that I run, and, and Rathbone Writers as part of that. Yeah, I'm um, like a poetry kitchen as well, look out for that. Cool. Uh, and for me, uh, Insight, uh, open mic, free, free open mic, LGBTQ+, queer, inclusive uh, night, which is at Phoenix Arts Club, which is just across the road from Foils. Um, really central where I'm right near Soho yeah um, for me uh, it's just uh, I'm not really doing much this month I'm trying to write more and edit more so not so much at the moment but you can find me on Facebook uh, at Laurie Eves Poet brilliant I am on Twitter at Rebecca K Cooney uh, my website is RebeccaKCooney.wordpress.com uh, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Dead Darlings Pod, on Facebook at Dead Darlings Podcast, and we also now have a shiny new Instagram page, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. at Dead Darlings Pod as well. Um, and you can also email us on deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and help us spread the word. Seriously, guys, it'd be really lovely if someone could send us a couple of reviews. Our poem of the month was performed by Spesh at Poetry Unplugged on the 7th of January. We chose it because the theme just seemed appropriate, and uh, you'll uh, see what I mean by that pretty quickly into the poem. Um, Before we share Spesh's poem with you, I just want to thank him for letting us showcase his work. I want to thank you, my co-hosts, uh, Hannah and Laurie, to Hannah <laughs> Gordon for joining us, and to Texas Radio for our theme music, and of course, you guys for listening. Thanks very much. Bye. 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 Please welcome Spesh. This is broken record because it's that time of the year. I do decree, new year, new me, out with the old is my philosophy. The past year has been shite, I won't lie to thee. But I'll put all things right come January. I'll go to the gym, I'll start to get fitter. I'll get fucking trim and you'll envy my figure. I'll stop getting lashed every other weekend. I'll save loads of cash, I'll have more to spend. I'll buy organic food, I'll make healthier dinners. The light in my mood, I'll become so much thinner. I'll give money to a good cause, I'll help those in need. Yeah, I'll be modest when the applause congratulates my deeds. <laughs> I'll get interested in politics, I'll pursue my passions. I'll stop binging Netflix like it's going out of fashion. I'll read more books, I'll expand my vocabulary, replacing the word fuck with something more literary. I'll dance, I'll give up the facts, I'll take more chances and stop being a drag. I'll stop touching myself, I'll find someone sweet, they'll treat me well and take care of my needs. I'll look for new employment, I'll do something fulfilling so I can live a life of enjoyment and life which is thrilling. I'll find some purpose, that's my contribution to being a better person, my New Year's resolution. two halves so a year passes <laughs> so the year started over okay, here as to be said but by fucking May I wished I was dead I began to get fit yes I did really honest but I didn't take to it and had to break my promise I stopped eating so much junk and signed up to the gym but my stomach shrunk and I ended up with aching limbs to meet someone decent I had to go on a fair few dates spending money quite frequently and getting sometimes off my face I took salsa lessons but lost my motivation juggling them with my profession it just got frustrating politics made me bored and the books I read depressed well the books I read bored and politics depressed um, I found jobs for lower pay, but more suited to my skill and set. I had to stay away though because I can't afford the debt. With the gym, booze and food and the place I reside, I'd rather stay glued in a shit job that provides. I know I'm a terrible person, so there's no need to cheer. I make sure things don't worsen, but improve next year. So to this degree, I do decree new year, new me, rinse and repeat. Yeah. <laughs>